Welcome to your Right to Speak discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 62 and you're listening to the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Topaza, who sits on the board of the Student Wellness Initiative Towards Community Health, SWITCH. SWITCH is a student-run clinic, um, and we'll be talking to them about two things. One, the program that they are running um, that uses music to assist students, as well as what's going on at SWITCH. Topaza, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. Thank you, TK Global and Salvador, for having me on the podcast today. And hey, everyone, my name is Topaza, like the gym, and my pronouns are she and her. I am located in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is part of the Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Korea and the Métis Nation. I am entering my third year of my kinesiology degree. That is awesome. We've never had a future doctor on the show before. So welcome. (laughs) This is quite amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Not yet, but hopefully future doctor. (laughs) It will happen. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to do your right to speak fashion and dive into the questions and see where this conversation takes us. Yeah, I love that. So I know with your music program, you had applied to the Rising Youth Grant. How did you hear about the grant and was it easy for you to apply to? Yeah, I initially heard about the Rising Youth Grant first through my cousin Stan's partner, Margo. And we were actually going to collaborate on a project where we showcased films and documentary for educational purposes, but that idea never went through and I was still very highly interested in starting my own initiative. So I was eventually put into contact with Jamal, who was the previous Saskatchewan Youth Coordinator for Rising Youth. And for the application itself, it was probably one of the easiest applications I've applied for in terms of grants. It was user-friendly. I remember finishing it within maybe like half an hour to an hour. So yeah, I recommend anyone who's interested to apply because it's so easy. You know, I keep on hearing this. I've been talking to alumni from the Rising Youth Grant and everyone, there's not been one person that has said that the youth grant was difficult to apply for. I may just start up a project too now. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So With your project, I was wondering if you could tell the listeners what it is, um, why did you want to start it, uh, and what gaps does your project meet? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to share about my project. So initially, my vision for improving the health and lives of youth started with Youth of Tope. And it was when I successfully applied for a grant in June 2018 from TK Global Rising Youth to develop a youth empowerment project, which I named Youth of Tope for the younger clientele at Switch. And I want to start this initiative because I saw a need for accessible extracurricular activities for the youths at Switch. And I really want to bridge the gap through ukuleles and this program provides youth with access to musical instruments like the ukulele so they can learn to play music 
And many of these youths lack the access to a comprehensive educational experience, emotional and mental support, and just generally a solid social safety net in their lives. And as we share stories and experiences with each other, I am always constantly reminded of how resilient they are to the different adversities that I personally have also experienced, especially like race and gender and being able to relate to the emotional journey of these youths have motivated me to expand and you could hope beyond just the music class, but to a space where self-love and acceptance are practiced and thoroughly supported by Switch and I. So there's a few follow-up questions I have. The first one, it, why ukuleles? <laughs> why ukuleles? Yes. <laughs> you know, it, at the time, I was also learning the ukulele, and I can't think of a better way to share the joys and the fun that I was having than to than to teach what I what I vaguely knew to other youths. That is awesome. I was wondering. I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about more about the gaps and I want us to kind of dig a little bit deeper and I was wondering is were you hoping to meet um very specific gaps that you saw? You know, first starting this initiative, I wasn't too sure where the the gaps needed to be met. I wasn't too sure of the specific audiences that I was targeting. I just knew I had a passion for youth empowerment and I wanted to do something about it. So in terms of gaps, I think as the program went along and speaking to the youth's the parents and speaking to the youths themselves, it was really prominent that there was a very big disconnect of affordable and accessible extracurricular activities for youths in the lower socioeconomic sector and there wasn't a lot of programs out in Saskatoon and the surrounding areas that offers that and meets the needs of those audiences so that's essentially the gap that I was trying to meet and why Youth of Tope was developed. So I'm wondering, are you hoping to branch off this program into doing other types of extracurricular activities beyond the ukulele? Is there other parts of like, let's say music you want to incorporate or other types of activity you're hoping to incorporate in the program itself? Yeah, for sure. As the program expands and grows, I definitely want to implement more practices or, or effective implementations of like self-love and self-acceptance for a lot of these youths just due to the adversities that they face at home or their lives outside of Switch. And Switch being a very safe place that they feel like they can go back to is something that I just do continue on to amplify and something that I want to keep within the program as a core value. And in terms of expanding the program through different musical instruments, we have already asked volunteers who have a music background to see if they know any instruments that were affordable and could be easily learned and that could be accessible to the youths at Switch. Nice. That's awesome. 
Um, I kind of just want to shift gears a little bit um, and talk about Switch since you are on the board and I thought what a great opportunity to talk (laughs) to you about it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So um, for the listeners, could you explain what Switch is? Yeah, yeah. We both definitely touched on it a bit, but SWITCH stands for Student Wellness Initiative Towards Community Health, and it is a student-run health clinic located in the core neighborhoods of Saskatoon. And we envision all residents of Saskatoon to have equitable access to culturally safe health care, nutrition, and education to essentially better equip them with tools to create opportunities for themselves and their families. I... I'm currently holding the vice chair portfolio on the board of directors for Switch, and my roles and duties really entails supporting other portfolios, the chair of the board and the executive director. And Switch Switch tries to meet the needs of use of the different socioeconomic backgrounds through offering a really wide variety of educational programming, such as financial literacy, interactive and hands-on science learning or just providing all clients with nutritious meals every shift. So I I wanted to um, touch a little bit on Western because I know Switch, it's a clinic. So uh, I want to touch on Western and non-Western perspectives of care. Um, And you mentioned a few times... Okay, I'll touch upon that after. So, Switch, I think it's fair to say, works with a wide, diverse um, people from various types of cultural backgrounds. Yeah. So, with that being said, um, there's often, you know, we have our Western, you know, medical model perspective on what care looks like. And then there's also non-Western ideas that are also very important to um, people that are part of different communities. How does Switch um, kind of marry the two? Um, Or does Switch do that? Is there a place for that? Yeah, I definitely do agree that Switch does have a place in kind of merging both the Western and the non-Western perspective for care and for it kind of implementing it into our mentors and volunteers and the services that we provide. And at Switch, we try our very best to have a cultural support worker or a traditional elder or healer on site or anyone who would like to access that service. And our clinical team are always collaborating with each other on cases to provide non-judgmental and client-centered care for all of our clients. And all of that being said, one of the core values that Switch holds is ethical, social, and cultural responsibility. And we try our very best to meet our clients where they are at, whether that is practicing Western medicine or implementing non-Western perspectives for care from our very much unique, diverse, and most importantly, awesome volunteers and mentors who comes into the doors of Switch. And as a kid student, a lot of our classes we speak about the, the diverse, that 
diversity of healthcare services that can be provided. And it, it's important to be mindful of, although Western medicine is very widely implemented, there's still a lot of non-Western perspectives that could be could be engraved to better serve our clients and better serve whatever the challenges that may be to thrown at kinesiologists or if you pursue a professional degree, how you can be a holistic doctor and be a holistic physio. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, I'm just, you know, thinking back and reflecting on, you know, some of the clinics that I've been at and how they don't do a good job in that. And I'm wondering how Switch has been so... I guess, successful at bringing the two perspectives together. Because I would imagine in running a clinic, I mean, there because we are in the Western world, there is that, you know, medical model that has to be followed. And there's not a lot yeah. of flexibility within that. Yeah, for sure. I... I wouldn't say we are the expert in marrying both the Western and non-Western perspective. There's still a large amount of space for us to improve and right. find what we are most effective and the safest way to offer the wide spectrum of services that we offer. And also being sensitive and mindful of the very diverse and unique population of clients who does access our clinic. And there are also room for us to be more open more frequently during the week or just offering a wider range of educational program kind of to hit those gaps that we do miss. But I definitely think because another core value of ours is to provide interdisciplinary, interprofessional healthcare services to all clients who access our client or clinic. Our mentors and volunteers come from a variety and diverse background disciplines. So all of their unique experiences and cool knowledge is is there to share with everyone um i so i i would imagine that um you've learned about the concept of cultural humility because i believe that started in the medical profession if i'm correct i'm not too familiar with the term. Do you mind elaborating? Yeah, for sure. Um, because then you won't be able to answer my follow-up question. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, cultural. Hum- do you know what cultural competency is? Yes. Okay. So, cultural humility takes cultural competency to another level. Um, and it's you know generally speaking, cultural competency says. Research on a culture, now you're the expert on it. Uh, Where cultural humility generally will say, yes, research, but one also recognize power and privilege that you bring into a relationship when working with people, but also that cultural is very uh, individualized. And there are some things that are not written, let's say, in research. So I was wondering, you know what your thoughts were on the two perspectives and is switch working towards cultural humility or is it already there? And if it's not there, how do you think you could get switch to the cultural humility perspective? 
Right. Just just to clarify, because cultural yeah. humility sounds very negative, but it, the definition doesn't seem to be very negative. It's, no. it's essentially just um, like culture is a very individualized perspective. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, so it takes cultural competency further. It's saying that, you yeah. know, for me, for example, I am a white male who... Um, who comes with power and privilege, right? So when, for example, I'm working with certain groups of youth, um, before I even enter that relationship, I need to first recognize the power that I bring in to that. Um, Not only because I'm white, but also because I'm coming in as an authority figure, you know, as a worker. And then also recognizing that, like, let's say I'm working with someone uh, like a black youth um, and I've read up all this stuff on black youth. uh, Cultural competency says you can stop there where cultural humility says, okay, I'm recognizing my power and privilege, but now I'm also recognizing that how that Black youth uh, experiences Blackness is also very unique and individualized to himself. Right. Yeah, no, thank you so much for clarifying. I I do have a better understanding now. And to answer your question, we switched is definitely moving towards the culture community side aspects of things where instead of just recognizing that it's a room full of diverse people and learning about everybody's culture but also recognizing that there are power imbalance and a lot of environmental factors whether that's the different social deterrents of health that every single individual faces understanding the privilege that as a woman of color what kind of what kind what does that mean for me what are the power imbalance just because at that particular shift I was a clinical a clinical leader or just a regular volunteer and kind of understanding the different barriers that every volunteer and mentor faces and really doing harm reduction in terms of meeting not only volunteers but clients at where they are and being mindful of the different privileges that we all of us as individuals hold and being sensitive towards topics that are being disgusted or just characteristics that we portray. It sounds like Switch is on the right uh, path, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I am, for me, what I've come to learn is, you know, you're always having to constantly change and learn and grow. So I'm very interested to know where Switch will be in the future if it continues on this path. (laughs) Yeah, likewise, I am really hoping for great things for Switch. And we hope to continually be culture related and also just offering the best healthcare service that we can to the core neighbors of Saskatoon. So I wanted to switch gears again, because I do that a lot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, we were talking before we started the show and you had mentioned that 
you're applying for another grant uh, to address some of the needs of COVID-19. Yes. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that program, what it is, uh, what made you thought of it? Yeah, for sure. So this new initiative that I applied for is called COVID Packs. And essentially is where I design and assemble these educational care packages that are filled with STEM related and STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or language flashcards, or in other educational material to help mediate the stress that families with the lack of access to educational material are now facing due to COVID-19 and the schools being online. Uh, Can you explain a little bit more specifically what's in these care packages? Yes, absolutely. Besides all all the boards and being a full-time student, I'm also part of OceanWise's Ocean Bridge program. And through that program, we do mentorship calls every two weeks. And shout out to Alex for being a great mentor. And we had a really thorough conversation about the discrepancy and the the gap that needs to be filled in terms of being in the landlocked community like Saskatoon and what kind of ocean literacy implementations we can do as someone who's in the program. And that that essentially sparked the idea for COVID packs and what I what I can do to help with ocean literacy and kind of talk about sustainability and kind of share those knowledge within Saskatoon and the surrounding areas. Um, but yeah, in these packs, there is storybooks from, from a Indigenous organization, and which is Canadian run. And there's also these um, sustainable squishy toys from Ocean Wise. There are, what else is there? There's these organic, like, Play-Doh thingies. They're really fun to play with. I, I was even playing with them, fidgeting <laughs> with them. And they're, like, non-toxic and whatnot. There are also um, reusable straws that are inside. And I'm still waiting on a couple packages to ship through, but that's essentially what is in the package. Oh, there's also these educational flashcards. You know those flashcards where it's like um, multiplication flashcards Mm -hmm. or learning simple French flashcards. So that's part of the package as well. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And how will you be distributing these packages? Good question. I was I was definitely dwelling on the distribution of the packages <laughs> as well. With COVID going on and social distancing and trying to be practicing good citizenship and following the law. And I was lucky enough to connect with one of the rising youth coordinators, Andrea. And we kind of brainstormed a couple ideas of the safest and most effective way of the delivering these packages and distributing them. So essentially what we came up to came up with being the best idea is there's already initiatives in Saskatoon who are delivering care packages and food hampers. 
So we were, I was able to connect with one of the coordinators of those initiatives and we agreed on once I'm done assembling the packages after my, sh- the other shipments arrive, then I'm going to personally deliver those packages to their organization and they're going to do the distributing where they've already have a list of families who are in need of these packages and they have safety precautions and, in, in place. Awesome. Sounds like you thought of everything. <laughs> I, I tried to. Speaking of COVID-19, uh, <laughs> I was wondering, and I've been curious, has the Switch Clinic been open during COVID-19? Switch has been open during oh. COVID-19. There because of the turnover rate was so quick with things happening with COVID and the different laws and policies getting implemented, um, we were diligent enough to think about the safest way to deliver our services to clients. And due to the services that we do offer, it's, it's very much close contact of other human beings so right now we are open but with limited capacity and we're just open our i believe monday and wednesdays where we just offer services like offering meal packages to clients so we're opening just two hours every shift and we don't let any clients into the clinic just with social distancing measures and we just hand out meals out because we we understand that life still goes on and food security continues to be a very big social deterrent of health for our clients. And we are trying to offer what we can as a, as a clinic. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it sounds like a majority of the clientele um, of people you work with are um, low socioeconomic background. Um, so I'm very happy to hear that the clinic is still operating and offering, you know, food. Um, has there been any other services that you've been able to continue to run or has that been shut down because of the protocols? Unfortunately, it has been shut down due to protocols, again, because of the close contact and, um, of the services that we provide, but. With the different phases of Saskatchewan reopening, we're we're working really hard to try to see what kind of other services we can continually provide to our clients in a safe and effective manner. You know, the the longer you know this goes on, the longer you know it's it's come across my mind a couple of times of how can you know. Uh, the homeless population, low socioeconomic, <clears throat> excuse me, I lost my voice there for a second, low socioeconomic <laughs> backgrounds, um, you know, those communities are really the ones for me that I think are, are really suffering during the COVID times um, because normally the services that are offered to them are closed. For sure. I mean, that's definitely a question that keeps me up at night as well. Just thinking about how are these people who are in the lower socioeconomic status kind of pushing through such a chaotic and 
and crazy time that's happening in our world right now. And I, I can definitely see the long-term effects of COVID or will shift the way that healthcare services are provided. And in terms of social services that are provided, I, I'm really hoping for more effective and diligent ways that the government and local nonprofit organizations can come up with, whether that's like accessibility to phone consultations and understanding not everybody can afford a phone or have transportation access or just simply offering a shelter, water, and a hot meal for someone to fill their belly with. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like in the times that we're living, it's it's forcing, uh, you know, the healthcare system, um, the social services to really, really think critical on how services are delivered and how they, they really need to change. Like you brought up the phone uh, as an example, and, you know, that's so it, it's so true. And you know, often we think, oh, you can do, let's say, counseling over the phone, but how about if the person doesn't have a phone? <laughs> right. It, how would that work if someone yeah. can't even afford a hot meal on their dinner table yeah. or if they even have a table or a shelter to have a table in, right? So it's, it, there's definitely, it's a multi-layered and very multi-dimensional complex topic where it, it kind of picks up some of the barriers that our healthcare system have and how essentially accessible the healthcare system is to everyone and all Canadians. So I, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question because it's going to probably be a very big question. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's give it a shot. Um, how do you see the future of the healthcare system, you know, changing um, to kind of address these, these gaps that we're seeing? Hmm. Told you it was big. (laughs) I love it. Let's talk about it. I, I mean, in the perfect world, I would hope for the healthcare system to fill in the gaps for the different the different populations who are most impacted by COVID and kind of meeting the inadequacy of, of resources and services that are offered and really shifting the way that the healthcare system is thinking in terms of how are we offering healthcare services in a way that is not only culturally sensitive, but also is still quality driven and very much makes a positive impact in anyone who accesses the healthcare system in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there's definitely a lot of work to be done, but I hopefully switch will be part of part of the bigger picture and help shift the dial a bit. And as citizens, all we can do is just keep advocating for the ones that can't get their voices heard and the ones that who are not able to access the privileges that we can. 
Is there, um, so I know Saskatchewan is, oh my gosh, I am just stuttering. I know, it's a tough word. <laughs> I know that, um, I'm not going to be able to say it properly. So I know where you're from. They're doing it in phases of opening yes. up the economy. Uh, do you know what phase a switch is at? switch because we're just currently we've been offering hot meal hot meal services since um maybe march like end of march mm-hmm. so we kind of sit on the gray area of we're not really offering healthcare services where there's a lot of contact but right. we're also not off not like closed so in terms of phases i can't exactly tell you which one we're on I, all I know is phase one was the opening of certain, certain healthcare services like right. dentistry, physio and whatnot. But yeah, that is fair. <laughs> We're all in the yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, this has been a great conversation. We've talked about, it feels like everything. <laughs> Likewise, I thought this was very extensive and very diverse conversation that we were able to talk about. Not only healthcare problems, but also just the different SDOHs that we face as individuals. So, no, it's been awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been great. I am going to ask you your right to speak's trademark question, though. <laughs> Can't end the show without it. <laughs> okay. What does advocacy mean to you? Okay. Advocacy, in a nutshell, for me, would be simply positive change through my action and voice and finding creative and effective ways to uh, amplify what those who can't get their voices heard, whether that's because of systematic oppression or the lack of accessibility to different platforms or resources. And I personally thrive on advocating for youth empowerment through Yuk of Tope and my new initiative, COVID Packs, and for sexual rights and reproductive health through being on both the program and the governance board of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights. I know deep down advocacy is a lifelong commitment, but I'm really excited to see what I can do to be the best advocator for youth empowerment and sexual rights and reproductive health. And I'm also more excited to see how I'm going to grow up taking global and rising youth and the thing the great things we're going to do for Canada I I am very curious to know where you're going to end up in the future (laughs) (laughs) I keep everyone posted yes (laughs) Um, awesome thanks again for being on the show would you like to say anything else before we end the conversation was great so I would definitely recommend anyone who's listening to the show to apply for a grant because it's a super sweet experience and you work with awesome people well thank you that that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) um your right to speak will be posted on the second Wednesday of every month um Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. Um, 
For more information about the program we provide um, or to start your own projects, please visit risingyouth.ca. Let's raise awareness together. Perfect.